have your Bibles this morning. Psalm 62 sort of tells the story of 1 Kings chapter 17. You don't have to turn there, but the story is this. I want to take just a minute and let you see uh, these three things that we need a refuge for. A refuge, Hebrew word, is a high place. It's a secure place. It is a place that's nothing can get to you. Um, you'll take your Bible and turn to Psalm 57. You'll see the same word used. You'll notice in verse 1, Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge. Well, the shadow of the Lord's wings, safest place in all the world. Elijah had just fought the battle with Ahab. Jezebel had 850 prophets of Baal. Baal was a false god. They had just won the victory. They had had a competition to see which god was real. And Elijah's God brought down fire from heaven, and the place dispersed, and there was revival. Israel said, we're going to go back to God and, and forget Baal. And at that point in time, Jezebel, one of the most wicked men, women to ever live, married to one of the most wicked men to ever live, Ahab, she said, Elijah is going to be dead this time tomorrow if I have anything to do with it. She put the word out. And the Bible says, in Elijah. And Elijah here is a man that brought down fire from heaven. The Bible says in James, he stopped the rain for three and a half years to bring Ahab to his knees, to bring it to this day of revival in 1 Kings chapter 17. And so now the whole country comes out to watch what Elijah is saying. There is a God in heaven that can do mighty things. And you know, to go something like Nick's tests, Nick Adams, stage four cancer to go to, he told me, he said, they put the two scans up side by side for me. And he said, the one lit up like a Christmas tree and the other one was black. No sign of cancer. The Lord does things like that. Because we pray. Because we get on our knees and lift someone up and say, Lord, this is not for me, but would you bless our brother? And so Elijah said, Lord, would you bless my country? I cannot get them to come back to you, but Lord, would you help me? And so he prayed and the rain stopped for three and a half years and everybody's looking around for help and some people are starting to look toward the heavens saying, what is God going to do for us? And and uh, so, so he, he brings down fire from heaven, and the great rain comes, but he's got this fear in his heart. And folks, all of us in this room somehow get that fear, and we need a refuge. We need a place to run to. And the Lord says, look, it's under the wings of my arms. It's, it's like a chick that, uh, it's like a, a hen that, that protects her, her chicks, and uh, a farmer one time that gave a perfect example said his barn caught on fire and uh, he had uh, chickens in the barn and and uh, many of them just got out 
Uh, but one of them, he noticed over in the corner there was a, a, a mother hen that was charred, just burnt to a crisp. But she was sitting like this. And he walked over and kind of kicked her, and she fell over. And out ran eight or ten little chicks. She had given her life to protect those little ones. And the Lord gives us that illustration in Psalm 57, under the shadow of my wings. So when you and I have a raging fire that's after us, number one, uh, all of us have this huge fire that all of us have to look at to punishment for our sin. The Bible says, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. And the rich man in Luke 16, he was a sinner that never took care of his sin. And all of us in this room, the Bible says, uh, we have a sin debt. The Bible says in Matthew 12 that every word is written down, every thought is written down, and you and I have a debt that we cannot pay the Lord. And yet that debt will send us to hell. But the Lord says, look, I'm a refuge if you'll come to me. Notice in Psalm 62, David said, in God is my salvation. I'm going to run to the Lord. And how do we do that? Well, you'll notice that we need this refuge from the punishment of hell. One of these days, you and I that are saved are going to go to heaven, and we're going to be able to look at the prefaces of hell. The Bible says in Revelation 20 that I saw a great white throne of him that sat on it. And everybody's judged that's without hope. The Bible says they were all cast into the lake of fire. You need a safety. You need a safety net. You need a refuge from the pit. Because all of us deserve to go there. Because our sin prevents us from going to heaven. But that's why Jesus loved you so much. That's why he came himself. His father asked his son, would you go pay their debt of sin? He is our refuge. He is the one we can run to. The thief on the cross turned to Jesus Christ and, and, and said, would you remember me when you go to heaven today? Well, I, I'm too ashamed to ask for salvation, but I sure would like to go to heaven with you. And he said, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. So the Lord is saving people all over the place. He's willing to save you. Uh, Ernie trusted Christ, 93 years old, the oldest person I've ever heard of, I've ever seen saved at 93. You see, sometimes we get busy with life. We get busy doing the things of life. We forget about our souls. We need a refuge for our soul, and that's in Jesus Christ and no one else. The world would tell you that you can do good, and, you, and, and, and maybe you can make it to heaven. There's a balance, and I hope my good deeds outweigh my bad. I get that a lot from the workers that are around here whenever they come to work on the gym or the ball fields. Well, I try to do good. I, 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 try, not, I try to be good to my fellow man. They don't realize why Jesus came to pay their debt of sin. And when they hear that, uh, they're willing to say, you know, uh, would he save me? Yes. And to watch Ernie on his deathbed trust Christ as Savior. He was ready. You see, 
Everybody in this room needs a refuge from our own sin because it'll destroy us. It's a cancer that ruins all of us if we're not careful. And yet this morning, everybody in this room can have your sin forgiven. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. I want you to see this verse in the back of your New Testament. Hebrews chapter 10. Notice with me, if you would, Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 17. I like this verse. And their sins and iniquities I remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, whenever they're being forgiven, there's no more offering for sin. The debt is paid. And everybody here can have that refuge from the punishment of sin if you had come to Jesus Christ. And that's what he says, God is my salvation. David is saying, he is my refuge. That's what he's trying to notice. If you would, in Psalm 62, he says, in God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge. <clears throat> he is the refuge of salvation for everybody in this room. But, you know, I notice uh, that as I read through Scripture, I see that there's a, a sinister evil that all of us need a refuge from. Not only our sin, but Satan himself. Now, I know that not much is said about Satan in our world today, but he's very much alive and real. And the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 that he's like a roaring lion seeking him a made of hour. He wants to destroy Christians. He wants to destroy sinners. He wants sinners to go to hell to hurt the heart of God because God sent his son to pay our debt of sin. He wants to destroy Christians so that we cannot bring glory to our Father. And so he is like a lion. Now, if you could understand the way a lion operates. <clears throat> I read an article this week about the lions of Savo. I don't know if you've heard about them, but there were two of them. They're mounted in the Chicago Museum. They killed 135 people. While they were trying to build a railroad, the camp stretched for eight miles. And as they were building this railroad in Kenya and in Tanzania and Uganda, as they're trying to build this railroad, a bridge over the railroad, uh, these lions all of a sudden got the taste for humans. And they would come into camp, and they would pull somebody out of their tent. They 135 times. And the gentleman that was in charge of all of the, uh, uh, the, the construction, his name was Mr. Patterson. Uh, he said, I'll get them. All of the employees stopped working. They said, we're not, we're not going to put ourselves in harm's way anymore. And for months and months, the lines would come in, two only. At first, it was one at a time. Then it was them together. And so these lions would, would find somebody by themselves. They, they, are, they are deadly, and that's what the old devil does. He finds somebody that feels alone, and he comes after us, and he discourages us, and he puts us in harm's way to where, uh, by the way, Elijah, after he had won the great victory, uh, his, this, his, 
this woman, Jezebel, said, I'm going to see that you're dead by this time tomorrow. And he ran for his life. Now, folks, no matter how good a Christian we are, if we're not careful, the old devil gets after us, and it can scare us into running for our lives. That's what uh, Elijah did. Yet he had the power to call down fire from heaven, but he was afraid of this woman because she supposedly had the, uh, the, the leadership of all of the military, and I'm going to kill you. And he forgot that God could help him, that the Lord was his refuge. And so he ran for his life. You know where he went? <clears throat> he went to Mount Horeb, about three days' journey. He even got down so much so that he, he got down by himself, and he said, Lord, just kill me. I don't have any purpose to live. She's going to kill me anyway. And so the old devil comes after all of us in this room. He can come after you. He is that way. He delights in destroying people. If you have your Bible, turn me if you would. I want you to see Job chapter number 1. I want you to see Job chapter number 1. I want you to see this. And you notice that he's after every one of us in this room, saved or lost. These lions of Salvo, uh, whenever uh, Patterson shot the first one, there was great rejoicing. But the second one, he shot nine times over a period of 11 days. And when it died, it, was, it had a, a, a limb in its mouth, and he was crawling toward him to kill him as he shot him the ninth time, and he finally died. The picture to me when I read that, it's just like the old devil. He hates all of us in this room. A, you have a chance to go to heaven because you can have your sins forgiven, or B, you are going to heaven, and he hates both of those things. He hates God, and he tries to destroy him. Notice with me, if you would, Job chapter 1. Look, if you would, Job 1. Look, if you would, in verse number 6. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present them before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Satan, whence comest thou? Now get this, then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. He is to and fro in the earth, walking up and down in it, looking for people that he can discourage, that he can cause to say life is not worth living, that he can get to the point where they don't have any ability to trust the Lord. They're too afraid. And did you know Elisha ran to Mount Horeb, found a cave, and stayed in that cave for 40 days, scared to death. And then God came to him and said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And he comes out in the cave, and the Lord puts his hand over him and passes by, and a mighty wind and an earthquake. And then God, he's thinking, wow, the Lord is, is right here with me. And then the Lord says, Elijah. And then he knew it was the Lord. The Lord just gave him a little display of his power, the mighty storm, the wind, the lightning, the earthquake, the cave shook, and the Lord said, I got something for you to do. But Satan can stop us from doing the will of God. And I don't want that for anybody here. I want you to notice, look if you would, in verse number 8, and the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? You know what he was doing? He was considering people to try to destroy. 
And God said, look, have you considered Job? Why don't you pick on somebody your own size? Why don't you pick on somebody that loves me so much you can't break down? That's what's happening in this passage. Now, we've heard the story of Job. He lost this and he lost that. But the Bible says he never lost his faith. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Job used the Lord's Lord's refuge under his wing and said, I'm going to trust the Lord no matter what. And folks, today, the Lord loves everybody in this room. There is no place that you can go where the Lord says, I'm not going to go with you. I love you. Take your Bible and turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. I want you to see this psalm. Try to encourage you as to the power of the Lord and His goodness to us. Notice with me, if you would, verse number 3. Thou compasseth my path, and my lying down are acquainted with all my ways. You know, Lord, when I sit where I'm sitting. He knows where you are right now. Notice, if you would, he says in verse number 4. There is not a word in my tongue, but, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. He knows our words. Look in verse number seven, verse number five. Thou hast beset behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. So the Lord says, look, I'm going to sit right there with you. I'm around you. I'm protecting you. I have got you as my child. And notice the next one in verse number six. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. The idea that God says, I'll help you. I'll be your refuge. There's nothing can come your way, but you come to me, and we'll go through it together. So today, if you've got sin that's unresolved, the Lord says, come to me. I'll help you. If Satan is after you, uh, there's this cloud around your life, the Lord says, come to me. I'll help you. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's what he's saying right here. And the psalmist says, oh, Lord, it's too wonderful for me. But let me explain to you how you do that. Look, if you would, keep your finger there. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. But I want you to notice over in Psalm 62, our original text. Look with me, if you would, in verse number 8. Trust in him at all times, ye people. In other words, there's never a time when you can't count on the Lord. But notice what he says. Pour out your heart before him. There's the secret to the refuge of God. Pour out your heart before him. Read back over in Psalm 139. Keep reading with me. Notice what he says in verse 7. Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, now he's he's, uh, uh, giving fictitious things he's thinking about. He said, if I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. If I could go to hell and make a bed there, you would go there with me. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there thy hand shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Do you understand the Lord is trying to give us the comfort and the, and the strength to go through life day by day and say, you're never alone. I will never leave you by yourself. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And you know why? Because I love you. I want to help you through your life. I want to help you day by day with the struggles that you have. And I just want you to notice, he tells Satan, I want you to notice back to Job. I want you to see this and and take a note with me if you would. 
Job chapter 1. Look with me if you would. In Job chapter 2. Notice if you would. Verse number 6. And the Lord said, this is Job 2, 6. The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand. The Lord gave Satan permission to come after Job. But notice what he says. But save his life. You can take whatever he has, but you cannot take his life. So Job came down with boils. His, he was so miserable. The Lord was not punishing Job. Understand this today. God uses us as his servants. Do you not want to be used as a servant of the Lord? Sometimes he wants to look at Satan and say, there are some of my children that you cannot break. They love me. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd like to be one of those people. Job was very precious to the Lord. And he said, okay, you can take away all that he has. And he lost all this wealth in five minutes. He even lost his children. And Satan said to the Lord in chapter 2, look with you if you would, notice Job chapter 2. In verse number, excuse me, I'm sorry, chapter 1. I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 10. Verse 9, he says, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Now, listen very carefully. The conversation between the God of heaven and the old devil. And the old, this devil is after you. His, he goes by many aliases. His name is Satan. It's Beelzebub. It is Diabolos. It is, uh, he's got multiple names because he's a deceiver. And you'll notice in this passage, look with me if you would, in verse number 9, Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth not, doth Job fear God for naught? You know why Satan thinks that God is good to you and I? To buy us off. That's why he thinks he's good to us. Notice what happens. He says, Doth Job fear God for naught? You've been good to him. And then notice what he says in verse number 10. Hast thou not made a hedge about him? and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. Isn't that not what God has done for you and I? Are not we blessed? How many of us have to get up in the morning wondering what we're going to get to eat? Are we going to have anything to eat today? How are we going to make a few cakes today, a few rice cakes to eat? None of us have to worry about that. Some of our greatest difficulties when our air conditioner goes out and we have to get it repaired and we have to suffer through the heat if it's a 100-degree day. And yet you and I have to understand that, that God is the author of all these blessings. Every good and perfect thing cometh down from the Father of lights. James chapter 1. So God has blessed all of us just like he did Job. And the Lord looked at, at, at Satan and said, look, uh, okay, have you considered Job? He says, well, you bought him off. If God didn't bless you and I as much, would we still love the Lord? 
Satan doesn't believe so. He said, you put a hedge about him. Now, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I want the Lord to put a hedge around everybody in this room. Because I have seen through the eyes of Scripture what happens when God pulls his hand of protection off. In five minutes, Job lost everything, including seven sons and daughters like that. Satan went right after him and destroyed everything. And then the Lord comes back to Satan and said, Have you considered my servant Job? And he says, well, he said, look, all that a man has, he'll give for his own life. He said, okay, I can prove it to you. Not Job. You can touch everything he's got, but you can't take his life. So he took away his health, came down with boils, and his wife broke. Curse God and die. Curse God and let him kill you for it. He said, how should we take good and not difficulty? And Job retained his integrity in the Lord. Do you understand today that Satan believes every one of you are bought and paid for by the goodness of God to you? Everybody here. He believes that God has given you these clothes and nice cars that you came in and all the help that we have and the jobs and the wealth we have. And he says, Satan bought, believes that God bought you off. And God looks at it and says, no, Satan, I love them. I want to be good to them. And I want to bless them. That's what happened to Job. But is it wrong for God to be able to look at some of us sometimes and say, I'm going to use Rick Clark to show Satan that he loves me more than his stuff? I don't think that's wrong of the Lord. I think that means he's proud of us. And so today, I would ask you and I, do we love the Lord enough? To serve him no matter what. You and I need our Heavenly Father to say to Satan, leave him alone. He will. He said, I'll do it. And so you and I today can have the hand of protection against us. We need the Lord as our refuge. Well, that doesn't mean sometimes the Lord doesn't uh, test us from time to time, but it's all because he loves us. No teacher no good teacher ever gets joy out of seeing a child fail. They get joy out of seeing them click. Two plus two is four. You got it. I walked to a class this week. I saw a teacher sitting there. I don't know what grade it was necessarily, and, and the child was looking at a clock. How many of you remember when you re learned to read the clock the first time? How many of you can remember back that? Okay. Uh, some of you can't remember that far back. I can remember it. I remember sitting in the class, and the teacher said, uh, David, what time is it? I looked up the clock, big hand, little hand. Uh, it, it, it's 2 o'clock. She said, that's right. I remember all the thrill of that. Well, I saw her teaching that to that little one, and he had gotten it wrong on the test, and all of a sudden he figured it out and said, and he said it right. She said, that's right. You can see the joy in his heart. Sometimes the Lord wants to see the joy in our heart that we figure things out that he loves you. Well, not only do we need the Lord's protection and we need him as our refuge from sin and from Satan, but we need him from the struggles of life, the failures of life. I don't know about you, but we can feel alone sometimes. Elijah did, and he failed the Lord. He quit. Now, he came back and started doing right again, but he did quit. 
there, there are sometimes we get hurt or we suffer a loss, a job loss, or we suffer some sort of a loss and we just want to stop. We feel like a failure. Anybody here, don't raise your hand, but you ever felt like a failure? Failure as a mom, failure as a wife, a husband, a father, failure as a, an employee, failure, just failure in general. The old devil just gets after us, and we sit down and say, what's the use? Well, um, many years ago in uh, 1800s, uh, there was a man. Do you remember the story of John Newton? John Newton wrote Amazing Grace. He was a slave trader, and he became a pastor. And as he became a pastor, he wrote that great song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch like me. Once was lost, but now I'm, I'm found. Once was blind, now I see. He became a pastor and was a great encourager to, for 20 years to a man named Will, William Wilberforce. He was a member of parliament in the 1800s, and slavery was all over the world. It was in England. It was in America. And he wanted to get rid of slavery. He didn't feel it was right, according to Scripture, that people owned people. He was right. But he took it to the vote, and the parliament voted like 200 and something to 13 to keep slavery. And he, had, he worked for six years to get to that vote, and he got flatly denied. And he was so discouraged and John Newton encouraged him, and so did another man just before his death. A portion of a letter written to William Wilberforce in February 26, 1791. It was written by John Wesley a few days before he died. Listen to the wording. Unless the divine power has raised you up, William, I see not how you can go through your glorious enterprise in opposing slavery, which is the scandal of religion, of England, and of human nature. Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you'll be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. I'm quoting. But if God be for you, who can be against you? All of them, are all of them together stronger than God? Oh, be not weary in well-doing, William. Go on in the name of God and the power of his might until you vanquish the plague of slavery. And John Wesley died a few days later. And John Newton says, go on, William, you can do it. So for 16 years, he came up with another bill, and he kept presenting them, 12 of them in all. And finally, in 1807, the final vote came, 258 to 13, in favor of abolishing slavery. Prayer, persistence, and a refuge of the Lord, and the encouragement of his friends, knowing, remember the words of John Wesley, God has raised you up for this. 
God has raised many of you up for various things. Maybe you work in a secure facility. God has raised you up to be a difference maker. God has raised you up for your family. If you have children, grandchildren, do, do you know what it's like? My son didn't, his, his grandfather didn't know his name. He would tell me, how is the boy in Africa? Do you understand the hurt that can happen when people don't do what's right? But it doesn't keep us from doing what's right and saying, Lord, I need you and running to the Lord. Lord, that hurt. We run to the Lord and he says, I'll help you. Maybe they need a letter from you. Maybe they need a word of encouragement from you. All of us get discouraged. All of us need the refuge of the Lord. But I just want to remind you and close with this, this phrase. Remember this. Trust in him at all times. Ye people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Today, you need a refuge from sin, from Satan, from your struggles. The Lord loves you. He's waiting. Let's bow our heads forward of prayer this morning. I'm going to ask the pianist to come and play a verse of invitation hymn. Folks, today, if you're here today, maybe you, uh, you feel like the Lord wants you to trust Christ as Savior. Could I encourage you to come to this altar? I'll meet you. I'll help you. You can get it all settled. Your sins can be removed forever. Would you come? Maybe you're here today. You're among friends. People would rejoice if you trusted him. Maybe you're here today and you've trusted Christ, but you're going through some battles. You're going through some struggles. And you need a refuge. The Lord says, I'll go with you. Pour your heart out to me. Maybe you're here today and you'd come to this altar and just pour your heart out. The Lord loves you. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I am going through some things. Would you, would you pray for me? Uh, would you pray for my encouragement? Would you raise your hand all over the building? Yes, 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 all over the building. I'm going through some things. Could I encourage you? Don't give up. Remember William, William, Wilberforce. We're facing one of the greatest battles in history, the removal of slavery from a country. It took some encouragement, but he said, God has raised you up for this. What has God raised you up for? Are you fulfilling your purpose? We're going to have a word of prayer. We're going to stand to sing. Maybe you need to come be a part of our church. I'd encourage you to come and join our church. We'd love to have you. It'd be a great privilege for us to have you here. And maybe you're here today and, and, and you need to be baptized. We'd love to see you trust, uh, trust Christ first. But if you've already trusted Christ, you'd like to be baptized, you come. Whatever the need is this morning, this is a church. It's a hospital. It's a place to help people. It's a place of encouragement. It is a place of joy. It is a place of worship and praise. Maybe you need to come and say, Lord, I want to pour my heart out. Father, speak to hearts today. I thank you today that I can easily say with a conscience full of power and victory that you want to be everybody's refuge in this room today, whether it's from sin, Satan, or our struggles. Lord, would you speak to hearts In your name we pray. Amen.